This week, we're making like Sheryl Crow and sharing our favorite mistakes. We've both been in business for three years and we've learned a few things. We want to help you avoid the bookkeeping, project management, and potential client pitfalls that we experienced. Here's a big one. Always get a retainer. Let's go. Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? My foot is currently elevated. So that's up. That's up. Oh. <laughs> Keeping things. And it will be for four to six weeks, potentially. Okay. Keeping things, blood flow flowing. <laughs> that made me think of flow from progressive auto insurance oh she's sassy <laughs> i feel like i'd have a coffee with her totally yeah i'd hang out with her she's like she'd be fun to talk to at a party oh she'd have all like the dish like she'd yeah anyway what's up over there over here in pizzle town <laughs> <laughs> studio pizzle <laughs> probably not the marketing strategy but <laughs> not. i'm trying to be positive over here is it working yeah okay so the fizzle blah 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 my foot's still in a cast it still hurts but we're working through it the big fizzle in our household is my husband has a mandatory schedule change and he now works Saturdays. So his days off are going to be Mondays and Tuesdays. Sorry, Sundays and Mondays, sometimes Tuesday. And this is. But he always weekend. had weekends before off. Off, yeah. Yeah. And looks like that's happening through March at least. So trying to get my head around that. Well, yeah, that like totally. It totally disrupts the family environment. There's less stability and knowing what's happening. It's not just an adjustment. It's your work gets impacted like when there's not someone there to be with Cecily. And you would ideally like you could get work done on weekends when he's there to help like play with her and spend time with her. Yeah. And I kind of do. And now you won't have that. I kind of do because I have shorter days sometimes from you know mom life through the week so i like to catch up on the weekends and you don't really need him there with you on like a monday mid-morning that was the other part i really don't like (laughs) Like, that's even more distracting it is like he's not doing anything but it's just having like the frequency of somebody else's body in the house like yeah Sometimes it's not your own. That's annoying. Sometimes he's blowing the yard outside my window, and I'm like, and you're like, hey, on the phone, thanks. But usually it's just like, yeah, I just want to be in my office. But anyway, so that's a bummer, mostly for him too, because he's not happy about it. Oh yeah. Okay, so my sizzle, I'm keeping it light, literally. 
<laughs> I I've been mom really joke. Into, mom joke. <laughs> I've been really into my candle ritual where I wake up and you know I light I have a bunch of candles on my table in my office. I meditate or read and or read but some of my candles are getting like you know like I like to use matches I like the ritual of a match but then you get mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. match flakes in dropping wax yeah or the wicks get really long so I finally I'm like what am I doing I need to like level up over here so I ordered <laughs> this really cute little candle kit care kit and it's like a matte black I should have brought it but I can't move. It's got a little like long tray with a little snuffer and long tweezers. The little scissor? The little scissor. Oh, I have that, but it's the brass one. Yeah, there was a bunch of different ones. I didn't but the black one's nice because you won't see the soot on it because the brass one, I have yeah. to wipe the soot off of the candle snuffer. Yeah, so it's cute little snuffer, cute little snip, and then the little tweezers to pick out any stray... Or like if the wick goes into the wax, you can pull it up out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then it just feel like, I don't know, I love the ritual part of candle lighting. So it also feels like fussy in a cute way. Yeah, like it's, this is the thing I treat seriously. I mean, especially if it's like an expensive candle, but what's your like go-to candle scent? I like woodsy. Like I like it to smell like a low-key fire. Okay. Okay. I feel like I lean towards sandalwood or oud or like, I don't, I feel like it's always kind of in those veins, like more like musky, Mm -hmm. a little, like a little, like you're saying where it's kind of like dirty. Yeah. Like gritty smell. Like kind of like going towards Dracar Noir. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) God. Okay, I feel like we did. We'll link your candle kit in the show notes because it is kind of fun to have something like that to take care of your candles. And well, and when you snuff it, it does like save the wick. It does help the candle longer. Yeah. I also saw this, I think it was on TikTok or something where to like keep your, okay, now this is now a candle podcast to keep your <laughs> candle from, I guess it's called tunneling when you get a new candle and the wick Oh, and it just, just runs down. So you have to build like a little chimney out of foil what just for like the first hour until it completely melts the entire top um and then your candle will melt evenly going forward you take it off i'm not i'm not gonna do that you're not doing that i'm not (laughs) doing that i mean i like having the candles but i'm not like if it leaves someone looking at my candle influencer yeah, like if it leaves some wax at the bottom or on the edges because it didn't burn all the way through. Like, I'm like, meh, okay, like, it's fine. Well, that's where my little mug, desktop mug warmer. You can burn just, the rest of it. You know, burn it. Yeah, you just stick it on it and it keeps melting it down. And Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going full. My depression era <laughs> candle. Yeah. Lighting. I'm using all of it. Damn it. There's a lot. Like some of the big ones, especially that have multi wicks, and they're like, yeah, it's like it's all the outer table. edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so sizzle. That candle life. Okay, on my end of things, if if the listeners have been following along on my Instagram, I have been doing agave watch updates. I've had this agave plant in my yard that we planted three years ago, and I bought it. It was already really mature when I got it, and 
we planted it when we built our guest house and I planted them around the yard and it's a foxtail agave, which they're, to me, they're really nice because they're kind of soft and they don't have pointed edges and they don't grow to the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Like Mm -hmm. most people imagine when they're thinking agave, like they get massive, but we purposely wanted stuff. So when my nephew comes over, they're like, they have soft leaves, they fold, they don't have spines on them. So it's who cares if he runs around and touches it or messes around. Well, ours has been blooming since, I don't know, the fall? Yeah, Yeah, like it started in the fall and it will get us probably into spring. It's been beautiful, but she or he, I don't know. It's really really looking worse for wear. Like Uh. the stock, because the stock is this like art shape and now it's looking really rough, like six feet of the what's already bloomed is like falling like dried and falling off the blooms are coming off of it and they're like hanging and they start it's really starting to get to the like ugly phase Mm. (laughs) even though the tip of it is still blooming from the stalk it's beautiful but it's kind of sad to think like oh come spring and then the it's like dying off like the rest of the agave at the bottom the like mother plant they after they bloom they die because they use all their energy to bloom so the leaves are starting to yellow and shrink at the base of it and i'm like oh it's like full circle of life kind of thing here like i mean it's basically the same with human mothers (laughs) oh no like full giving tree status like like all our beauty and lushness just yeah right to those all the vibrant skin and Mm -hmm pliant everything is all gone like Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what happened like she's giving her life to the stock to like pollinate and then she'll die so it's gonna leave a hole in my garden too which is sad because i'm like well what goes there yeah (laughs) (laughs) totally i mean i'm hopeful that i can propagate some others yeah are there babies that come out of it or they just like float into the wind and pollinate. I, well, supposedly you could plant the little seedlings, but most stuff I've read online is like, you're going to get like really hit or miss results with it. Like sometimes it's not great. Like it's much better to just take the little pups that grow off of like the stalk by the roots mm-hmm. and take those, which I did propagate some of those and I have them in pots around my garden. So I will replant them, but they're all like, I don't know, t- less than 10 inches in di- diameter. Like they're very small still. So I'm thinking about moving maybe a bigger one from another spot and planting it where this one went. And then just kind of always, this is going to be like a lifetime gardening habit. Mm-hmm. And aside from garden life, which is a little bit sad to think about that kind of cycling out, there is the fact that you can like, you guys have to live the fantasy with this a little bit. Are you guys watching Poldark? I've never even heard of that. Okay. Poldark is in the same vein of like PBS Masterpiece. It's mm-hmm. There was like an old series. And when I say old, it's probably like late 80s or 90s. Like it's not that. I mean, it is, but it isn't that old. But It's very soap opera-like. It's set in the English countryside. It starts off at the Revolutionary War. Okay. And the family that it follows is the Poldark family. 
and it has i mean the casting is really great it's got that whole like if you like emma if you like period pieces if you like that stuff you're gonna like the show at times it can be a little predictable but it is very like romantic like moody like downton abbey was predictable i'm looking at um are you looking the, at a picture of aiden like, turner yeah, he's serving some revolutionary war. Oh, that real. Oh, real yeah, is happening. And there's some there's shirtless moments. He's yeah. he's like on a beach in Cornwall, and they they definitely know what they're doing with this show. They know that he is on the cover of a romance novel type For of. Sure, he's got yeah. like that perfectly tussled. Yes. Top, top hair. Mm -hmm. He kind of reminds me two of... o'clock shadow. Yeah. And which you think like, oh, this isn't all like historically accurate, but it's, I'm still going to fall for it a little bit. He kind of almost reminds me, you guys, I don't know if I, well, the listeners won't care, but uh, you guys in the mid nineties when I was having like my gay awakening, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, because that's what to put that in perspective of like adolescence, mid to late 90s. And then at the time, this, so the actor, Aiden Turner, who plays in Poldark, reminds me a little bit of like my prepubescent fantasies about Gavin Rostell from Bush. Oh. Like at the time, he was like that rocker, badass, like, he hasn't smoldery it's not, like yeah it's like kind of always just pissed off but in a hot way yeah that's yeah but then he's got like me. a cute smile and i mean who like her who knows what happened with him and gwen stefani and all of that like that's a right. whole other thing but but he was definitely that like rock star heartthrob in that time frame of that and may, i think that might be why aiden turner makes me remember some of that but the show is great his co-star eleanor tomlinson is like serving you the full like red-headed english mm -hmm. tousled hair but it's great it's it it follows family drama they also talk about like race and class division so there is a lot of historic accuracy into like what was happening in the late 1700s and the turn of the century in england in politics globally so it's kind of good to see those reminders of like, what was it like to be in this very class divided system of like the Lords and their tenants. And it's, it's a much darker look at it than Downton Abbey. Like there are food shortages. There are landlords who kick tenants out just to rip down the houses because they don't like them. It's like, yeah. And that was all legal. It, it was it's just definitely like, whole, like power play. Yeah, totally. So we were sucked into it. We took it on a recommendation from Sean's parents. And I was like, I'm not going to like this. By the end of like the second episode, like you always give it at least a few episodes. By the second episode, I was like, now I want to know what's happening. Now I, now I want to <laughs> know if the thing I'm predicting happens. Like I have to keep watching. And you're like, that person's going to die. And then you wait and you wait and they might not be. And then you could find yourself surprised if and when something does happen. And whose baby is that? And anyway, intrigue, everything. Wow. All right. Okay. I need it's, a, it's a more, it's a less ridiculous Bridgerton. If we need to like find, if you liked Bridgerton, but you were like, I can't suspend, suspend disbelief through all of this. 
you'll also like Poldark. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the yeah the color palette of Bridgerton is not the same. Oh, this is a moodier <laughs> yeah. kind of like if Overcast. you like if you like Devil Kitchens. Mm-hmm. you'll like the color scheme of this. You might even like live your English fantasy. So we're watching it on Amazon Prime. It's free to stream on Amazon Prime. And they're, they're I think they're only going to have one more season after the current one that's showing. So it's been now's your chance. It looks like there's like six, up, six seasons. Oh, or yeah. We've been like trickling them out just because I don't want to lose them all. Mm. So anyway. So, okay, then I will, to sum it up, I'll light a couple candles and Get start a glass of wine yeah. and have your, like, romance novel f- realness. And elevate my foot. Yep. On Saturday. With and I'll be, re- <laughs> I'll be propagating agave over here. <laughs> Lovely. Should we hop to today's episode? Let's. Y'all, Cheryl Crow taught us a few things <laughs> sometimes sometimes mistakes are worth having yeah you're my favorite mistake i had this life coach like a long time ago who was really helpful to me at the time at the time and his whole like kind of mantra that he would say for me to say was thank you for being my teacher but i no longer need to be on this road with you Oh, goodbye. Ooh. So, like acknowledge the teaching moment. Yeah. And but let's not keep living it. Yeah, and like get block their number and <laughs> don't let them. Come yeah. Anymore. Ooh. Okay. So, well, I don't think we have any people written down here, but no, the idea is there idea. that yeah. In in for the both of us to have be several years into our businesses, we've. We've had some lessons. I don't know how you document stuff, but I have like a little lessons in my Apple, in my iPhone, where I I call it lessons. So like as mm-hmm. things are happening, whether it's a mistake or it's something I need to like have my teaching moment from of I could have handled that differently or whatever. I just write a little quick couple sentences about the context of it and then what do I need to do or change or learn from? And I usually go back like once a month and look through them, hmm. but I keep it as this running notepad in my, in my phone. Does it help you also like expunge the frustration or I don't know? Yeah. Cause if like I like dwell write it, it down, or... it's yeah. Like it's out. And then I also feel like there's something therapeutic about, I wrote it down, I learned from it, and then usually I am changing something. Like I'm updating the way I plan an email template or there's something mm-hmm. in my investment guide that gets added or a frequently asked question that I put on my website. Yeah, or, you're definitely not I a mean, fool me twice kind of guy. I don't like that, no. I don't like no. the, I don't like living that life, but it does happen. Like it's it's not perfect, but there is something good about being able to go, oh, I have something that addresses this. I'm erasing it from my list of lessons. And there's something cool about looking back at a few of them and going, oh, like that was that, like I have to remember where I've come from. And like, I have made so much progress. That's true. And you have two. 
Yeah, and I don't do that, which would probably be helpful for me to, you know, see. I do do my end of year stuff, so I can look back and kind of see what was bothering me or worrying me or what I want to change and have I changed it. But that little ongoing note is a good idea. It's a fun, it's a fun thing to have like, oop, I'm leaving that meeting and that's going to be three sentences in the notepad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just put it into a, our podcast topic list. <laughs> Everything's an episode idea now. Really that's is. the that's other fun. nice part about this. You all can learn from, from the mistakes we've made or the lessons we've learned. And this, this might be a multi who knows over the course, we might revisit things like this to talk about lessons we've learned as time. Yeah, and some of them are episodes we've already talked about. Like we've talked a lot about contracts. Yeah. That's like the first thing have a contract, have an enforceable contract that you know what to do if something goes wrong. Like where do I need to bring my attorney back in if something's going wrong how do, what language do I use to enforce this? And if you're not going to enforce a contract, you probably shouldn't have one. Like, what's the point? Well, I think it, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I also think having a contract does set the tone of the arrangement with the client up front yeah. that you're not dicking around and you're And they have to know that it does have teeth. Like yeah, if there's no, yeah. a term in it, that's not great and they don't like it and they just go, well, we're not going to do this. Then are you going to say, like, I always think when designers are asking questions and I'm like, are you going to enforce it though? Are you going to actually end the job if they do that? Because Mm -hmm. then we're just playing chicken with each other. Like you need to know when to pull that and say, that's great. If you want to start doing all the purchasing yourself, except our contract stipulated that the purchasing is going through me and it's a minimum of this amount. And that's not the project I signed on for. So you want to go that path, you'll go it without me and it's in our contract and Mm -hmm. here's how it'll work out. I don't want to put anything in my contract that I'm not actually going to use in my business process. Like if I'm not really going to hold a client to doing the purchasing through me, don't even write it. Like don't, don't create a problem if I don't have to. And if it's in there, it needs to be there for a reason. Yeah. And don't just have empty threats that look like you're not going to follow through with things. Yeah. That's a big one. Contracts is the starter. Like, and that's because not everything is in my contract right now was there when I first started. And yeah, I pay the attorney regularly to go in and update stuff. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to almost all of these things. I would say nothing is set it and forget it. Like they all should be pretty living documents. Yeah. As you improve or shift or make service changes, everything needs to be updated with it, including your website. Okay. Collecting retainers. I think, I'm trying to think, I think I've always done this. Like to collect a retainer up front of some sort, mostly for my design fee. I did not when I first started. I, and I wasn't, I'm not, I haven't been burned, you know, necessarily to the degree that it's like, oh my God, I lost so much money and someone, but there is something to be said about having the client put some skin in the game mm-hmm. and knowing that they can't just walk away with, and you're still holding like a big chunk 
of like 20, like I used to be like 25% of their proposed design fee. And now I'm up to like 30%. Yeah. I think it depends on the size of the project. Like, right. I think you've said like small, like more like e-designers design plan only projects. Like it might be. 100%. Oh, that's all up front. Yeah. <laughs> all up front. Cause once I hand them the design, it's uh, what would be their incentive to pay me? Yeah, exactly. And you don't want it to also be, you don't want the client to feel like it's a, like they're rewarding you for a job well done. Like, yeah. If I like it, I'll pay you. Like, yeah, what? No, no. <laughs> That's not how it works. Right. And there's also that psychology of if people value things that they pay good money for versus Truth. shit they're getting for free. So it's going to change their point of view from the beginning that like, okay, I'm paying, paying a luxury I'm... service fee. I'm going right. to be expecting something great. Right. And there, yeah, it adds more credibility to it. I've... I've never had a client, once I decided to change it in the, like at the end of my first year, it it was, it really changed the process. Like no more tire kickers, no more people feeling like they were just paying like on an as needed basis for things as I decided to invoice them. It was like, oh no, we're in this. Like we're committed. Where the communication doesn't drop off on their part where they get busy. Like, no, if they've got like money in your pocket, yeah. then they're going to be part of this. Right. Like we've already paid for this. We need to keep with this. We need to make, get decisions made and keep going. And so I think that helps. And yes, the side benefit of should something go wrong, you can decide to pay your most recent outstanding invoice balance from the retainer and then terminate services. Like just don't do anything more until it's resolved. And so that's nice to know that that's on your side instead of on the customer's side. Yes. Because there's been a couple incidences where the client has had to stop work and okay, like I could probably enforce something for my contract, but it's like in one instance, she was getting divorced and I don't, I don't need to lay that on. It was only a few hours left. I'll just refund those hours to you, give you the documentation yeah. I've done to this point and, you know, be nice about it. But it's not me trying to get money from her after... I've done work and now, sorry, I know you're going through something terrible, but you owe me money. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, it feels shitty, right? So, but it's, yes. but also the, to the other end of that is if there's just a, a small thing going on and that the project is on hold, the retainer is there to say, okay, we're both going to agree. Something came up. You need two weeks. That's fine. We're going to keep working together, but I've got this retainer. So you're not going to run off on me. Totally. And there's that. Anyway, I think that's, and just you guys along those it. lines, like I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I see it coming up in Facebook groups still. If you are ordering furniture, you need to take 100% of the price of the proposal. Oh yeah. Not carry any costs for furniture. Like I see designers still that are like, they take I fifty percent, and then fifty percent when it delivers. Like, no, no, no. You guys stop that. Like, there's no returns. <laughs> there's no like you're just stuck holding the bag and the bill. Like, no, not okay. Nope. 
I mean, companies that people order from charge them right away. Some don't until it ships, but there are a lot of companies that it's like Amazon charges your card. Like, yeah, you bought it. It's charged. It's going to get sent to you. Yep. There's just so many reasons for that. So it's also just like that needs to be an industry standard that all clients know when they work with an interior designer, if they're ordering furniture from a designer, it's a hundred percent upfront. And that's a big check sometimes, but yeah, but that's what it is. If you're going to do it it or they can't. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good, that's a good lesson to get right up like as early as you can. It really makes life so much better and you don't have any resentment. You're not dealing with back and forth on, Oh my God, are they going to pay me? And I have to pay my rent this month or what? Like, no risk. I mean, some like, I mean, it's not, crazy to have a th- like a $30,000 furniture order is not very much and that's a shit ton to have on your <laughs> on your balance sheet yeah I would not yeah and also like the oh my god it's been four days and my client hasn't paid their invoice it's like I'm not worried if I have the retainer like yeah. I'm not gonna chase I don't really nag my client like everyone gets busy but I don't ever expect my clients like oh the minute I send it is the minute they're gonna pay it like that's great but also people have jobs and families and lives. I'm going to give them some grace. And if I've got my retainer, I'm not worried. Yeah. So get a retainer. This next one you're really good at is getting everything professional. That's custom, you know, client facing. No, I think you're really good at it. Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are. No, you're good at it. I think it's just about getting professional marketing and materials and handouts in front of your clients from the beginning to whatever level you can do those on your own. Yeah, they don't need to be like crazy graphic design award-winning documents and don't spend so much time that you're like, no one cares. You know, there's a threshold of, how good it should be designed probably yeah not graphic designers but well some of you aren't (laughs) (laughs) like I have to watch myself like okay you're not being a graphic designer right now like just make it professional make it brand consistent and move on right like get it get it good enough put it in a pdf it's not a word document it's not It's not like a notepad. Yeah. Google doc or something, but like have it be something they can't edit or type on or change. Like if you don't know how to convert to PDF, like you got to use your Google more and get all that stuff done. That's important. Use Canva. If you really like don't know any graphics software, which I mean, you can even change the size of slides in PowerPoint to be like letter size and build it in there. If that's what you know, like do whatever you got to do to get it clean, professional, upfront. But when people ask questions, they want something that looks like you've put a lot of thought into it. It gives them more confidence. Like luxury service. Like you don't go to a beautiful department store and get like a. It's like a long guy handout instead of a professional brochure about their credit card. (laughs) Yeah. Or like the Nordstrom gift card comes in a beautiful box. Like. Yeah. It's all got to be presented at the level of company you're um, trying to be. Right. 
and it can still feel boutique. It can still feel personal. It can still be you, but it's like, yeah, it, it needs to be a little bit of an experience when you do it. And it's so much easier to, to your point about selling yourself to that level of client. Mm -hmm. If everything they've seen speaks to that, it's, it helps with developing trust faster. Totally. Also, and not not your like Hotmail account. Yeah. Or you're not, you're just like. We're not naming a, names. ABC <laughs> ABC Design at Gmail. Like you guys, it has to stop. It that definitely to me feels fly by night. Like I would. It feels hobby level. Like, yeah, and you don't want to write a check for tens of thousands of dollars to a hotmail email address yeah also we like I, this in the if brand. you believe that then you're buying then you might have won a foreign lottery in in somewhere <laughs> out of the country and you just have to pay the taxes <laughs> maybe the prince email scam yeah and we went over that a little bit more in does your brand suck is that the one well link yes in the show notes. yeah that was a good that's a good go back for you guys is get your stuff together. Cause this is kind of part of it. And I think you guys can get there from there, but that's a good lesson to learn of like, once you get all that together, it really ups your credibility with clients. And your confidence. Um, I feel like, I mean, I know I kind of talk more about that emotional stuff, but like. Here it yeah, is. When you, yeah. Here's my beautiful package. And even if I don't feel like a legit designer right away, I look like one and that's right. fake it till you make it is something. Definitely. Speaking of fake it till you make it, this is like the culmination of both of those things and like the professionalism you put forward and contracts is whatever you all are doing, especially in the early stages of your career, you have to be sure that you have the right to take photographs in your contract. Because I did get burned from this from a client who I honestly, I love them, but they really did not want, they didn't understand that part of doing a project for me is the ability for me to market projects. And one of my first big projects on my own was a full home remodel. And the client did not want to let me take pictures. It wasn't in the initial contract that I had done with them and it took so much negotiating and like and there was styling i had to do a lot of styling because it was not up to par like and that was a problem and just the fact that it wasn't in the initial contract as like a non-negotiable it really burns you when clients aren't going to value it so it's something that as soon as that became an issue any contract that went out after it was like, this is, this is a given. Like if I want to take pictures and use them for Instagram or use progress photos or do finished photos, it's, it's my right to do that. And yeah, I've heard from a couple other designers that clients who don't want to photograph or who really are at a level where they have like non-disclosure agreements and they're not going to photograph it. They compensate with their design fee because mm. at least they're going to get well paid for the job and right because this job isn't going to help them get more jobs right unless of course referrals but yeah and yeah. referrals are never guaranteed like usually no. the people who are like well i'll just refer people to you mm, if i didn't get the pictures there's nothing in it yet totally yeah and i wanted to just add like 
Last year, I ended up having a lot of small projects that I wouldn't have photographed, Mm -hmm. which bit me in the butt too. So I'm just now, even if not, I'm not going to, If it's like, I know I'm not going to photograph a hundred percent of every single thing that I work on just from a budget standpoint. Right. If, but I need to at least have one space that I am, I know is photo worthy. I would say like a quarter like to at least have like four Something. decent shoots come out a year, that feels reasonable. I, more would be great, but yeah. And then I, I mean, I like what you're saying though. Is like if I'm gonna do all this work, at least part of it has to be work has to be done styled finished yeah right whether it's i'm gonna style part of the island on the kitchen or a breakfast bar area or what like i need to have something and maybe it's not a full professional photo shoot but hey i'm gonna get a really nice shot of that bathroom get it out there have it And, and the other part of that is to make sure it's the style that you want to sell more of so I can't just take a full schedule full of clients that I don't necessarily want to want to attract more of that style. Like maybe it's simple or all white kitchen, which is beautiful. I'm glad the client wants that, but I don't necessarily want to attract more of that. So I have to have like aesthetic ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, it's not worth photographing stuff that you don't want to do more of, which is really painful as when you're learning that lesson is, there are, there's stuff in my portfolio right now that I'm like, "Mm, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't have spent as much on that shoot. Or I would have only taken pictures of a few spaces. And I've gone Mm -hmm. back and taken out projects that I don't want more of anymore. And I've also narrowed down what's in the portfolio photos to get rid of some stuff that I'm like, nope, don't want to do that again. I feel like that will happen over time, no matter what, though. Like you can't have, you don't want 200 projects on your website anyway but but yeah but like wise if you, about the photos you do if you got a really great client that you really liked and they had this tuscan mcmansion that had high level finishes but you don't love it maybe you take the work because the money's okay but again like you don't need to do a two thousand dollar photo shoot portfolio yeah so make sure you have something else that's gonna get in there right even if it is just small parts of the room you know that's the mm-hmm. joy of we talked about that in the professional photo shoots episode, which we can link that to, but we talk about how you can shoot around things that aren't great that you don't want to highlight to just get a few of the pieces that you want. And I think it's totally okay in your grid on Instagram, particularly to, you don't always have to have the fully finished, like pro photo. You can get some great stuff with your phone, do some edits, get it to look consistent with your marketing strategy and that might be the extent of it. Bring in styling. We're getting into the weeds here, but bring, like, I just did a shoot. Bring a little box during that install. and. I mean, I brought a lot of stuff at my last shoot because they didn't want a ton of stuff, but I needed more for photos to look well. So I styled it just for the shoot and took it back. Yeah. It'd be good to have, it'd be good. I would say another lesson is, get a good styling inventory of things that you can use Mm -hmm. that are like chameleon like things. Like you're going to find this is we're going way off, but like trays are always good. 
textural items, weird sculptural ceramic pieces. Like you're going to need some of those to fill in gaps. And you'll think, oh, this has been in three photos already. But most people are never going to notice. And if there are things that you like visually, you may even use those. Clients may go, I really loved that and want to repeat that aesthetic. So don't be afraid to have things that you feel are really representative of an aesthetic that you want to keep doing. Def. You guys know me and my boundaries. It wasn't always like this, but having office hours and like dedicated time when people can reach you is definitely a key to preventing resentment between you and your clients. Mm-hmm. The whole like, I don't talk on weekends and then all they do is talk on weekends. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boundaries are great. Um, still working on that one. I know it's always a moving target, but yeah, I mean, and I'm just going to push back on that. And only because for office hours, you get to decide what they are. So Sean knows exactly what he wants, when he wants to work and when he doesn't want to work based on his personal and family needs. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, I kind of see my 40 hours if it is strung through seven days because I need flexibility and I want flexibility for my family. So yeah. I may not sit down to my desk until 10 because of all the stuff that I got to have to do in the morning with my daughter. And if she's home at three sometimes, then I'm done. Then so you're, you're out of it for the day. But your clients should know when they're, when can I talk to you? When are you available? Whatever those are. Yes. Like I'm not accepting client calls at eight o'clock at night, but, and usually I'm not really open for communication on the weekends. Like I'll work on the weekend, but I don't let like clients to know that all the time. So I'll like delay your email. Batch email. Yeah. But, but as far as like my personal office hours in my home, like it is a little bit more flexible, but like time blocking was a big thing that took me a really long time to kind of agree to person <laughs> with myself. That's your rebel. You don't want to even, you don't even want to follow your own rules. <laughs> I totally don't. And how do I know what I'm going to want to do on a Monday or not? I mean, it's still a job. So sometimes we do stuff that you're like, I don't really feel like this, but I got to get this done right now. So we're just going to roll like. Yeah. And I think like, let's be real. No one ever wants to have a meeting on a Monday morning ever. No, I'm never going to feel like that. So Monday or a Friday at four. (laughs) Yeah. So Mondays and Fridays, I don't have open for stuff on like for booking consultations so like the time blocking works really well with acuity we've talked about that in a few previous episodes because acuity does the time like i decided when those hours are open for client calls or meetings a long time ago and my calendar just does it yeah for me this was a lesson that i learned because i didn't like i was so grateful to have my first clients that i was like I'm available if you need me. I'm living and breathing this project and whenever. And it'd be like nine o'clock. Can you talk? And I'd be like, yeah, on text messaging. Ew, girl. I I quickly you realized. Shakira, whenever, wherever. I honestly resented so much. And I'm like, wait, 
how can I be, it took me a minute to go, wait, I can't resent them or be upset with them when I set this expectation that if you call, I literally pick up whenever. And I would step away from like a meal with my husband to pick up a phone call. And I'm like, hold on, like nobody and nothing is that important that because you were scrolling Pinterest at nine o'clock at night that you have to call me or text me. So I didn't start there. That's why this is one of my favorite mistakes is now I know the what not to do. And I see a lot of other like newer designers or designers who are navigating business on their own after working with another designer, making your, you got to play a little hard to get. Otherwise it just, it's too easy for clients to take advantage of and to not appreciate what you do for them. And the more you treat it like a business and a separation from your person, the more they're going to have to do that too. Totally. No, that's what I was going to say too. Like setting yourself up as a business and thinking of yourself as a business all. Yeah. I think it all helps. I think, yeah, just doing the two, those last. Like not stuff. Okay. So the next thing is sort of fighting that scarcity mentality that a lot of designers have of like the feast or famine idea, right? Mm-hmm. And that we constantly have to be selling what we do to to the potential client we want to work with. Yeah, this is still really hard for me because I get like creative brain that if when you're busy on a project is when you need to be setting up your next project if you don't have one because right. that's you're going to step into a hole and once you're in the hole <laughs> you can't dig you out. You can't get it. out. Yeah. Or you're in a, like you're not getting paid. So because you're, you're like, I'm busy. It's great. And then you're like, holy crap, we're wrapping up in three weeks and I don't have anyone signed on. Yeah. So you always have to be filling the funnel. And part of that is, you know, going out there and looking for work, talking to people a lot, but also just asking for work. Like this is where Instagram is really important. And for mm. me and my business and... I'm not, I'm not saying I'm doing awesome at it right now because I'm not, but you have to remember to remind people how to hire you, what it is you are actually selling, what you want them to do, even if it feels salesy and I don't know. But we're salespeople. Like I, I hate to say it to anyone who didn't already realize it, but this, our job is to sell a beautiful lifestyle, furnishings, like our services, it's a product. Like Mm -hmm. it's, but you're right. Like every time you put a call to action out and then you're like, oh yeah, look, like a new inquiry came in or someone wanted to schedule a phone call. Like it's rewarding to see that feed on itself, but people use every project you're currently working on to show people why they should bring you on to their project. Yeah. Yeah, like those kind of scenes of a remodel or the like befores and 
that gets just people feeling aspirational and excited. And maybe they can't hire you for a couple of years, but that like you're planting the seed today for two years away, which you're going to need them then. So, yeah, you need to be ahead. Like, don't, I don't know. That drumbeat just has to be continuous. Right. So whatever it is, you need to find your strategy to get into that because it is too easy to fall into the, oh, I had one project and then I spent a month trying to drum up the next one and I had nothing going on. And then I brought on another one. That should not be, it should not be peaks and valleys like that for us. I mean, not, especially not in our market now, but there were times where it was like, I'm too busy to do that. I can't. Yep. I'm reading this book right now that I think we've talked about, but we can link it called Run Studio Run. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's written by more of like a creative graphic design studio, but it works for all creative businesses, I think, especially like smaller ones. And he talks a lot about this funnel mentality and selling and how hard it is specifically for creative minded people to do that. It's really a good book. It's really beautifully designed. So (laughs) so you'll love that and it's funny he's funny yeah I think that's like something you learn after a while is okay I can't live this ebb and flow life I I have to know that it's coming in and part of this like selling yourself idea is also the selling your projects fully Mm -hmm. to clients and this is something that I found through my own trial and error again which was if I started selling a partially like in my eagerness to share ideas with clients and get them excited. Sometimes if you don't share a fully realized or close to fully realized plan, it leaves a lot of room for negotiation and uncertainty and indecision and waffling is what I found. And I found the greatest success in my presentations is when everything, the mood boards, the renderings, even if it's not the exact faucet, a faucet that's in that vein, I've got to put it in there. Don't leave it empty because then the client's mind starts to wander and they you want to sell the full fantasy when you mm-hmm. present to them. It's almost like trying to sell a house when it's halfway through a remodel and not everyone has the vision to imagine what you're doing. What the flooring's going to look like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying something new where I'm doing that but in stages so I'm presenting a concept phase that isn't fully realized but it's fully fantasized (laughs) if that makes sense so yeah 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 like the look the feel the energy yeah so I'm selling the story of it and the feeling and direction and inspiration photos and Also like floor plans to make sure like, okay, let's talk about where you watch TV or how much you do or whatever Um, to make sure like before I go and select and place furniture in this way that you're okay with it and you love this direction, then I go back and source. But yeah, it is all about like getting that like aspiration and the feeling and getting them excited about what they're going to do in the room and I don't know. It's And it's helpful to use that as your, when we get to the messy parts and we get to the technical stuff and it's like your house is demoed or whatever, or the room is kind of like 
all empty because you're about to put stuff in. There's that waiting game and Mm -hmm. it's good to pull them back. Like, remember, this is the shiny fantasy that we're going to. Like, don't lose sight of this at the end of the tunnel. It's the more fully realized that is, the easier it is to keep the client locked on and not start to get skeptical or doubtful. I know that just made me like have this like idea. (laughs) There's like a little light bulb. I don't know if this would be, I don't know if anybody does this or how it would exactly work, but it's almost like during this mood board concept presentation, it's like, I want to have like a theme song for it, you know, like add a, like a sound layer that contributes to that overall fantasy, you know, like, like they could light a candle and go, Oh my God, our bedroom is going to (laughs) be like, yeah. Like, is it jazz? Is it like, I don't know. Ooh. Okay. That yeah. would be great for like your in-person consultation. Right. Or or like when if it's there's just a way concept. To... Like here's inspiration photos. I'm gonna pull like Nancy Meyer's soundtrack. Like have it just be like let you them. Know, I have heard I have heard stuff like that from designers who like if they're in person and it's a presentation, mm-hmm. they have stuff up on the walls, they have a candle, they have like they have music that's playing quietly that's kind of got that like not like let's sit and listen to this whole soundtrack but yeah but it's like Like, before we start like it's like going into a really great boutique Mm -hmm. because everything in there from the music to the smells to the lighting to the whole experience plus the visuals is in line i know that would be great like to have a studio space with a conference room that you can kind of set this tone. Yeah, no. It's like a pop-up shop, but for your design presentation. But the more you can create that, the more clients. Popcorn popping for the TV room. The family room presentation. Yeah. The more you can like build that fantasy, the easier it is for clients to remember it and to latch onto it later. Mm -hmm. Because this is the fun, sexy part. It's done really fast. During the dusty phase, yeah. So anyway, these are lessons that have helped just like pull it together, like keep things on track. If you, there's a reason for it. If you are wondering and you're listening, like, well, why, what's the worst that can happen? You know, girl, I'm the first person to tell you all about what went wrong. So you can ask us. Yeah, totally. Like I was just thinking like that last one, if in the past I've, had presentations that are in my head, but I'm not like imparting it into the client's head. And then they're like not there. So mistakes will continue to happen and they will. I know that's right. Hopefully they're just not the same favorite mistakes. (laughs) You're my favorite mistake. Cheryl. Do you think that that Lance Armstrong was her favorite mistake? Mm. (laughs) 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 Oh man. Anyway, that was pop culture with the HYDCs. Well, I'm, I hope that y'all avoid some of our favorite mistakes. And to all of our, our have we said this? I've, all of our designer listeners that we're now calling you the hotties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're part of the club, you get to be a hottie. You get to be a hottie. So until next time. Stay hot, designers.
Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. This person is trash instead of their name. Like- yeah, I changed their contact to <laughs> yeah. do not answer no matter how late it is or how drunk you are. Right, right. <laughs> like, this person is trash. Um, hello? <laughs> like, you had a little... This is, this is Melvin. You had a little fry. Okay, let's just do okay. it. <clears throat> oh. Oh.